not a drop of relief. Pick up your soul, it'll tear down your pride. Honey, keep your eyes pure, let us tell no lies. Truth is a criminal out on the loose. Love might be as known with a hangman's noose. Make you strong, it'll make you bitter. I gotta find myself a strong deliverer. Need a drink of something like water. I need a taste of love divine. Sometimes you just gotta do what you order. Sometimes you bring up the water when the well is dry. Gone out walking through the city tonight Stunningly underneath the lights All you can do is pray with all your might There's a few thousand souls somewhere in the sight It's hard to swing at something you can't see Sometimes we just don't know the end of it Can't live by fear, can't live by deception Hey, I'm a man of peace with a few exceptions. Need a drink of something like water. I need a taste of love divine. Sometimes you just gotta do what you order. Sometimes you bring up the water when the well is dry. Breaking down till nothing's left. Maybe you're gonna need to hold on to something that is stronger than yourself. Maybe your eyes wet with tears. Your skin was drenched in sorrow Your kiss, it was an open door So I walked through to a new tomorrow Honey, like a blade of finest steel Like an arrow straight and true Like gold in the hottest fire Baby, that's my love, my love to you, ministers here. Um, so I see that hopefully everybody's kind of rolling back into town. Those of you that were fortunate enough to kind of escape maybe to Florida or Southern California the last couple of weeks, you picked a wonderful time to come back because uh, the weather has certainly changed since last time we were here. I think last, last Sunday it was like 
I don't know, nine degrees in the morning or something like that. Uh, too cold, way too cold for me. Um, I'm a Florida boy, so getting out in that is, is just not, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. Um, once again, it's great to have Mark back with us this week, uh, and Dale, good to see you again. And Tim, thanks uh, for being with us. It's great to have you guys uh, playing with us. I'm, I've already heard some of the set this week, because uh, I was here a little bit early, and uh, it's going to be a, a really great one uh, and a fun one. I think you guys will enjoy it, so... Thanks for being with us. Um, those of you that don't know Mace Way, we're a community of folks who have been captivated by the gospel of Christ and gather on a weekly basis to listen to one another's voices, to read texts together, to uh, sing together, to listen to music together, to interpret texts together. Um, and we do that because we understand and we believe that God is at work in the world, uh, that God is at work here in Durham, and that we are, as a people have been uh, kind of, as I said, captivated by that, and we're interested in seeing how we might participate in what God's doing here in our city and kind of in the greater area. Uh, and then obviously as that reaches out around the globe as well uh, in different ways. Um, so welcome. Uh, if you'd like to kind of get to know a little bit more about our community, there are a couple ways you can do that. One primary way is probably to go to our website, um, our website, amazeway.net. You can, there are different uh, kind of Sections of the website, you can figure out what's going on on a weekly basis. You can get to emails for staff, lead team folks if you want to get in contact. You can also sign up for uh, our eWay social, which from time to time people send out emails throughout the week. Hey, this is going on. Does anybody want to join me? Um, you can also get on the weekly, uh, uh, which sends out a weekly email kind of telling you about what we're doing uh, each week. So you can find all of that on the, on the website. Um, you can also, if you want to, uh, fill out a yellow card, which is out here in the foyer, uh, where Dave is standing, um, probably where you came in. Is it yellow or green? Green. Greenish yellow. Maybe I'm colorblind. I don't know. Um, anyways, that card, you can fill it out. Um, if you'd like to meet with uh, one of our pastors, myself or Tim, or one of our staff, um, or somebody on our lead team, you can also kind of fill that out there as well, and we'll, we'll get in contact with you. Um, really, one main announcement for this week, uh, tonight we're having our Ecclesia meeting, which means that our service will be a little bit shorter. Uh, we'll try to end as close to six, we've put that on Tim, uh, ending as close to six as possible, so, you know, if it gets close, we'll just cut them off, uh, sweep the leg, and, and move on with uh, the service. Um, but as part of that, that's the, the Ecclesia meeting, I know that's a word you may not be familiar with, it's uh, just a word that means church and kind of the assembled gathering of the church. Uh, it's a time where we carry on kind of the business of our community, we try to do it on a quarterly basis, talking about budgets. One of the big things that we have coming up for tonight uh, is talking about the possibility of maybe making a move to uh, join up with uh, Duke Memorial United Methodist Church um, and using their space. Um, so that'll be a, a little bit of... That'll probably be the bulk of the things that what we're going to do tonight. So as we've asked you to kind of think about that, to talk with one another about that. So just plan on that a little bit later. Pizza will be arriving, I think, at 6.15. Is that right? So we'll try to move pretty quickly right after the service to kind of grabbing dinner and then coming back for the Ecclesia meeting. All of you are welcome, even if you're a visitor with us, you're welcome to eat with us and to, you know, sit in the Ecclesia meeting if you want to and listen and kind of see how we do things. Uh, we'd love to have you. Um, but please do stick around for that. Um, Brett. Um, I just want to announce, one of our uh, partners is the Religious Coalition for Nonviolent Durham, and on next Sunday night, there is going to be, they're doing a vigil for Jesus Huerta, um, who was um, killed, who, I guess, killed himself uh, in, at the police station about a month or two ago, um, and they're having a vigil at 6.45 p.m., so I know it cuts it really close with our service, but if you're available 
you're able to go, I know that they would love um, the support of our church and this community to, to be there, um, to be with this family, to recognize their pain um, and suffering and provide some hope through this time. An immaculate conception. It's, yeah, sorry. It's, a, yeah, it's a, an immaculate conception okay. next Sunday at 645. Yeah, so if, you, if you've been reading the news or catching up on the news, you've probably seen that in Durham, well, uh, one of many actually recently uh, murders or kind of deaths that have occurred in, uh, in Durham, uh, Religious Coalition for Nonviolent Durham uh, tries to, uh, in a way, move into that space not by saying, hey, we'll solve it, but by holding vigil and kind of saying to the victim uh, and to the offender, whoever that might be in certain situations, um, that they want to be a presence for healing. Uh, and that begins kind of by holding vigil and by praying. Um, it's a very powerful experience. If you get a chance, it would be a wonderful thing, uh, I think, to participate in. And uh, Immaculate Conception is right up off of Buchanan, on the corner of Buchanan and Main Street? Chapel, that, uh, Chapel Hill Street. Uh, Chapel Hill Street. So um, if you get a chance to head up that way, I would really encourage you to do it. I think you'll find it to be a powerful experience and to join up with one of our partner organizations. Um, you'll see next, after the greeting, we move into what is called our community prayer. Those of, uh, those of you that have maybe not been with us for a little while, or if you remember what we were doing before break, we were singing a community song. And one of the things that we've been trying to do ever since uh, probably September um, is to bring the kids in and help them, uh, let them kind of teach us a little bit about what they're doing and integrate them into our worship service a bit. And so the, the community prayer time, which is what we'll be doing for this season of kind of epiphany, post-epiphany, uh, up until we begin Lent, um, is the Lord's Prayer. And so we'll be saying that as a community. And as we've said with the song, it's not a time where, you, where you know, as a community, we need to worry about who's the best singer or, you know, how is anybody really going to hear me? It's not really about that at all. I mean, obviously, all of us struggle with that kind of self-consciousness. Um, but it's more so about uh, our kids leading us and us learning to listen to our kids and participating with them in, in uh, worship and in praying together or singing together. Um, so I'd invite you to join with us in that. I think Chelsea's going to lead us off just like the first couple words to kind of get us going. But if you'll join in, the words are there for you. It's the Lord's Prayer that you're familiar with from Matthew um, that also comes out of the Book of Common Prayer uh, in the Eucharistic Thanksgiving there. Um, so if you'll join with us, we'll begin that uh, just as soon as I leave the stool. But welcome tonight. It's good to see all of you. Please join with me. Our Father... Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As you may be able to imagine, sometimes um, sometimes it can be a little tricky with, with the way that we do music here, the way we choose music, the way that we select songs. Is we're, we're trying to do that in a way that's thoughtful um, for, for the topic for the night and for uh, the, the series that we're a part of. Um, if there's a specific scripture for the night that we know we're using, I, I'll try to choose songs that fit with that in some way. It's not always... Um, 
it's not, it, it, sometimes I fail at that. <laughs> it doesn't always work that well. Tonight is, is a night where we'll see kind of where this goes, but I think since we're talking about Mark, one of the things that I think is interesting in the book of Mark is it's sort of a, a little bit more mysterious kind of book in certain ways. Like it's, it's the book where uh, when Jesus encounters people and he heals them, he oftentimes um, will, will say, don't, don't tell anybody else about this. Um, there's sort of a weird kind of thing that happens in Mark sometimes where it's not quite as triumphant a story at times. Um, and so this song to me, I think on some level it's sort of like, I don't know everything that song's about, but there are images in it that really are rich images to me. So I, I think that this song will work kind of with where we're going tonight. And please, uh, if you know this one and would like to sing along, please do. Time. Your love 
one of the things that I do not particularly like about the book of Mark is that my name is Mark. And um, it was always, like, as a kid, I was always... I'm sort of on the neurotic spectrum anyway, and so as a kid, uh, whenever like I was in Sunday school or, or and, you know, the other thing was at school when we would take the cat test, I don't know if anybody else took that, and they would always say, you know, be careful not to make any stray marks on your worksheet, you know, and I was always like, oh man, everybody's totally looking at me right now because my name is Mark and it makes me feel weird, but, um, but in reading the book of Mark, my, my parents uh, were not uh, particularly religious people, and so they, I don't think they'd ever read that much of the Bible, and so... As I started reading uh, the stories in scripture, I, I sort of discovered that Mark was the guy that deserted Paul. And I sort of thought like, man, I, don't, I hope my parents didn't know that when they named me, you know, because that's, that would be really awkward. And so, um, but, but as, as much as, I, it honestly was something that I, I have spent quite a bit of time thinking about. It's like, are there ways in which I uh, too am a deserter? Uh, are there ways in, in which I have lived my life sort of running from, uh, running, running and hiding from love in, in certain ways, and and so this this song actually I, I chose this. This is one of mine, and I chose this because while this also seems ambiguous at times, I wrote this uh, song during a very particular season of my life where my life was was pretty much kind of on the ropes and. I was, was not doing particularly well, and, and this church actually was one of the places that sort of gave me hope again, and, uh, and gave me a way that I could believe again in certain ways, and, and I felt that uh, even if I was in a spot where I didn't know who I was, didn't know what to believe, I felt that there were people in this community that could believe for me uh, and could hold me, and so that's really where the last verse, especially of this song, is coming from, and it's called Almost.
has enough space to So a quick reiteration from Dan tonight uh, for Ecclesia. Please feel welcome to stick around. Uh, but also, if you're not able to stick around, if this is if you're new or whatever, please eat food before departing. There'll be pizza kind of rolling in here. Um, and tonight, we're, we're, well, I'm going to be brief tonight. Uh, hopefully, Dan Rhodes will not have to sweep the leg, but uh, that might be fun to watch. Uh, but uh, uh, I'll kind of get us warmed up tonight. Uh, Mark Williams, I met Mark on um, Ash Wednesday, very first Ash Wednesday that Emmaus Way had done. There was about 25 of us huddled in the little loft above uh, Francesca's, and Mark came and played that night with our uh, with Wade Bainham, who was our kind of our original worship and art pastor. And that guy was so good. I remember going home, going, man. That guy needs to play every week in a mass way. But one of the things that I, I've grown to appreciate, I didn't know Mark at all, that we spent a lot of time hanging out over the next several years, is um, the acuity of his theological mind as well as his artistic giftedness. Those things are woven together. Mark, those were uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Time is a beautiful framing of Mark's gospel that we'll get into. As you start reading it, you're going to find that this is a, uh, a book that's at one hand couched in blood and fear and, uh, and persecution, and then the other hand is an open palm to hope and expectation and, and this idea of how does one worship when the cost of worshiping is so tremendously great. And the question that keeps coming back is, is that which has happened, is it significant enough to, to mean something in the time that we live in? In. And so, in some ways, Lovers in a Dangerous Time is a, a great kind of anthem for this, and Mark is always great at that. Um, I have an assignment for you. Before I send you out, this is typically where we do the piece, give you a chance to get some coffee, more snacks, or something. Um, and I'm going to call us back 
quicker tonight than, than typical just because we're trying to stay within an hour or so uh, during our worship gathering. But here's your assignment. I'm going to, um, would somebody start these around, by the way? I have some pins that I'm borrowing from Dave Teeson, so uh, for, for Ecclesia tonight. And, and either on this scrap paper or on your handout, and I'll send these, Josh, you can send a few of these around. Um, one of the things that, that is a question that I want to look at tonight, which is interesting, I think, and I, and I think I'll show you why, is the idea of what is the gospel? That's a term that is used a lot in the realm of Christian community, Christian hope, and Christian expectation. And so I would like for you to just write like a, a one-sentence, two-sentence, brilliant paragraph that should be published uh, immediately, whatever you'd like to do that answers that question. And let me give you a frame of reference on this. This could be your understanding of what the gospel is. Um, it could be what, what Christians tend to present as the gospel. Or and, and one of the things that's great about Emmaus Way, there's always people here who are would not claim Christian faith as their primary spiritual orientation. And so if you're one of those people, perfect, uh, in the sense that uh, we're not expecting that you would like... Um, when I'm imposing this on you, what do you think Christians say when they say this is the point, so to speak? So I would love for you to write just a, a sentence, two sentences, whatever, of what you think the gospel is or what Christians tend to present as the gospel. Um, and if you're like me, uh, no matter how much time I spent in church growing up, there was always somebody trying to evangelize me because I don't think I looked like I had ever been evangelized. So, uh, so I might answer that. Here's what I was told from time to time. Actually, that happened to me in seminary at one point. A guy took me out and said, I'm not sure you really love Jesus. <laughs> and kind of did the deal with me like uh, the first semester. I was like, dude, please stop. Uh, uh, you know. But anyway, um, so what is the gospel? What do you think it is? What's the point of Christianity? And we're going to kind of share those really briefly when we get back. So stand up, greet each other, offer each other the peace of Christ. If you're around somebody you don't know, please introduce yourself. Um, work on these while you're doing that, and I'll give us a, a shout here in a couple minutes. Okay, let's jump back at it here. Anybody want to share with me what you think the gospel is or what Christians think the gospel is or what it has been described to be to you from somebody? I'm really open with you interpreting that any way you want to. What is the gospel? Thank goodness there were no divinely inspired women. We didn't know telling what we would have done there. Okay, that's actually true. These guys, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they wrote something down. Yeah, they wrote something down and said, believe it. Uh, it's very true. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. What else? What is it? Yeah, wait a minute. I bet we could all share at least one anecdote that moves in that direction. Hey, buddy, I'm sorry that we're... Well, I mean, I just took a class on the racial formation of the Christian world. And how many times has something gone, hey, segregation 
is just the gospel, you know, that sort of thing. So something that we call gospel can easily, easily calcify into something that's deeply, where people might step back and say, if that's the gospel, then I am not on that team. Uh, and and, and that's, that's true. Other people, what is the gospel? Sure. I think it's an invitation into a deeper relationship with God and who, an invitation into who God truly is and wants us to see to who that who that God is. So it's an invitation to understand, to deep understand the character of God and into a relationship. So kind of, if I'm hearing you right, Brett, an invitation into intimacy, experience, uh, connection with God and God's work. Okay. Yeah, and so the other hand of that is it's, I, I don't think, it, you know, like we have all these four different versions, so it's not a history of that period of time per se, because there's different, it's all these different stories, but throughout that, yeah, we, we gain a deeper intimacy, intimacy with God. And I didn't, I didn't help you out with this by saying, I meant spoken or written, but Brett, Brett applied there that the written gospel is something else. It's a, it's a genre of writing about, about Jesus' work. Very true. True. So for Trigger, notice that Trigger moved it in two directions here. You talked about it in uh, good news that has personal implications and good news that has cosmic implications on that. That's, and, and, and a lot of times when people talk about the gospel, they might be talking about one or the other of those. But for you, that was a strong hand, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody else. And again, this does not have to be your opinion, but it might be what you hear. Yeah. One of my favorite definitions of gospel is uh, Terry Eagleton's, who says that gospel means that the rule of the universe is love, despite all of the evidence to the contrary. So that was that. Yeah. And it's interesting that, in some ways, gospel has been used as weapon to do just the opposite of that. So we don't always agree on that. Anybody else want to take a shot? These are great, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that one before. <laughs> Amen.
Yeah, thank you. And, you know, Mary Ann, there's something there that's important that I want to underline as well, and, and all of it that was important, but, but the gospel read in certain ways can be intrusive in a certain way. It has expectations. It, it, it can make demands, in your case, um, that of being aligned with the work of God. I mean, we, we actually use that language a lot in this way when we start a worship gathering. We say, we gather to hear each other's voices. We're assuming God is at work. We're not always worried that God's doing anything of great value. We're assuming that, but our struggle is to align ourselves with that work. And we know that there's a temptation for all of us to try to align God with our Agenda, and, and we think that listening to each other is important to align ourselves to what God's doing. And so I think that's a, an outstanding point. Let me tell you a, a quick story. Uh, when I, This was maybe 12 years ago, and the person who did this knew that this would be kind of comical to do. How, by the way, how many seminarians do we have or, people, or post-seminarians in the community today? So you can kind of imagine yourself uh, in this mode. Uh, uh, I'm looking for Brandon. Where's Brandon? Brandon's here somewhere, right? And so Brandon and I went to the same seminary, so this, this might could have happened in our, our world as well. But uh, one of my former students in Chapel Hill who had gone to a, another seminary far away uh, called me up and said, I have an assignment. And my assignment is um, I need to share the gospel with you. Once again, I'm being evangelized. <laughs> and, 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 and when I do that, I'm going to bring, I'm going to share the gospel with you. And, and I'm going to give you a checklist. And I have like a one-page checklist. And as I share the gospel, you need to check boxes to make sure that I get the gospel right. And so, um, and so we sat down, made an appointment. He, he sat down. This is somebody you know well, Sarah. Uh, and, um, and, and he did the gospel. He kind of did a presentation. And it's one that some of you would be familiar with and kind of went through. And, and I checked boxes. And I mean, that kid made a hundred plus. I mean, he didn't just get every box checked, but I mean, he, but he said even better words. I think he even quoted scripture better than scripture wrote it. I mean, this, this was like a, a hundred plus uh, on that. And then after he was finished, we both kind of started snickering. And, and he said, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and I said, still, I'm, I'm, I'm legally required to say it right now, is where's the rest of the gospel? <laughs> I mean, we've checked all the boxes, but there was nothing about, well, actually, Trigger, you would have failed because up to the kind of personal stuff you were talking about sounded pretty good to me. But when you got on the cosmic stuff, there were no boxes for that. And so I think you would have, like, had, you know, sometimes when teachers mark off for adding stuff that's irrelevant, uh, I would have had to do that to you. Um, and for those of you who, who made comments about some sort of uh, God's goodness, I mean, Eagleton, well, Eagleton's a, a heinous, crazed, former atheist, Marxist who written great books. He needs to be out of here, right? I mean, uh, there's a lot of people here who would have failed this, uh, this exercise because, um, because they either said too much or too little, but he and I kind of chuckled and said, 
If that's all, then I'm not sure that's entirely good news. Now, for me, growing up, and, and Chelsea and I probably grew up fairly similar to this, it, you know, th- th- it wasn't always good news. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But, but notice that in that person's presentation, it was not what they said that was maybe wrong. In fact, there was no box that I would have said, that's just wrong. Um, the problem was, the assumption was that the gospel was something static, something entirely fixed that could be written down as a checklist. And, and, and if you set it all and checked it off, then the gospel was that. And, it, and in some ways, a lot of you implied that there's a profound sense of mystery in following God's intent. We don't always know what God's intent is. But in that telling, the assumption was we know clearly what God is up to. We know clearly what God offers. And we know clearly what the outcome of those offers are. And we do know some of those things, that's for sure. But, but in reality, it might be bigger than what that person was presenting. And the reason that I wanted you to, to do this is just to remember the idea that the gospel is not always self evident. In other words, I assumed that in kind of doing this exercise tonight, there would be different answers. I was 100% sure that there would be different answers. I was excited because I didn't think anybody would say anything that I think was wrong. It, it's just the idea that the gospel is not a fixed set self-evident thing. It is involved, It involves mystery. Even if you were to follow what Mary Mann and Trigger and other people said, um, if you follow up that question with how, then it gets tricky again. It, it gets mystery. It, it's like, how does this happen? How is love overwhelming the world that we're in when there's so much evidence that it seems to be working in the other de- degree? So there's mystery to the gospel. It's not always self-evident. It's, it's not just a simple package that can be put down. It's a dynamic that happens between communities of people and between God and between cultures and God and histories and God. It's a fairly large thing. So as we get into Mark's gospel, remember that, that, that the gospel itself is not something fixed. And what we have in the Bible is pretty interesting. We have at least four versions of Jesus' life that are in tension with each other. And, and, and everyone adds something powerful to the package, but they're not the exact telling. They're told to different communities. They're told at different times. They have different interests. And, and in hearing Mark's rendition of this over the next several weeks, we're hearing one story that is in tension with a lot of other stories, but it's a profoundly beautiful story. And it's interesting, somebody, just a quick, when, if Jesus, what would be Jesus? Jesus' soundbite of the gospel. Uh, anybody want to take a shot at that? He had kind of a soundbite that he, he had. Um, kingdom of God is near. Kingdom of God is near. Repent. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and get on the bus. It's kind of what Jesus said, right? But, but then it got complicated with the very next question. So let's say that, we, that, that Andy had the opportunity to ask Jesus that question. What's the gospel? And he said, Andy, the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and, and, and jump on the bus. The next question that Andy asked is where it's going to get complicated. And the next question might be, what is the kingdom of heaven? Or what is the kingdom of God? And, you know, Jesus was phenomenal at giving a really straight answer to that one, right? 
No. <laughs> he told these stories. And if you listen to one story, it was like, it's happening right now. Run out and get in the middle of the kingdom of heaven. And then he told other stories like, you know, sometime way off in the future, it's just going to happen and you're going to know it. Uh, he told stories that implied that the kingdom of God was going to be so big and so in your face that you couldn't even run to the hills to get away from it. And then he told stories about the kingdom of heaven being so small and so nuanced that, that it could be just like all over you and you didn't know it. And so even in Jesus' soundbite, it brought us into a narrative experience with working out what does it mean and what does it mean for us to participate. So keep that in mind. Here's the second thing that I want. Uh, this gets back to Chelsea's comment. Is the gospel good news? Now, the word gospel comes from a Greek word that means good news. Like you, Chelsea, I grew up in an environment where... Um, the gospel was anything but good news. It was more like a horrific tragedy that was working out in my favor. Not everybody's favor, but it was working out in my favor. So tough break, Andy. Uh, but, uh, but, but in some ways, it was intended to be a proclamation. The, the metaphor here is a herald screaming and saying the, the soldiers went off to war. We had no idea what was going to happen. We haven't seen them for months. Our, our um, iPads are not working. We've gotten no cell coverage. We have no idea what's happening. And a herald comes back and proclaims loudly there was a victory. Uh, the, the thing that we have been afraid of has been changed. The war has been won, so to speak. That's kind of the image of the gospel. Something that's declared to us that we all go, oh my gosh. That truly is the good news. And several of you implied that, that something that God has done on an individual and a cosmic level in our world, that means it will never be the same. So as we're going through Mark, we're going to be struggling to realize that this is about understanding the gospel, but it's not a self-evident thing, but it's intended to be good news. One more question. Why does Trying to wrestle with what the gospel is matter to us. Why does it matter? Why do we care? Why not just love people? Yeah, Kitty. I was going to say the same thing you said. You said it for my day. Why can't you just love everybody? I mean, so, so, you know, it could be pretty simple. We could just get active about loving people. But, but we, uh, I was thinking of your comment previously. Go for it. So, um, so, Evangelion, the Greek, it says, uh, God said, and so God is good, and, like, our words So there's so there's perspective that matters. Like all of us have, in some ways, we have to understand the world we live in to, in some ways, match the good news up against that. I think that's a very good point. Here's something I want us to think about as we trek through this: is that understanding and wrestling with the gospel and what we think the gospel is shapes almost every aspect of our community life and our spiritual formation. Tonight at Ecclesia, 
we're going to make some decisions. We're going to struggle with should we move or not. We, we love this place. Um, should, we, should we locate ourselves as a community in a different space? And somewhere behind all that is this idea of what does it mean for us to embody the gospel in this space in which we live in, Durham, Chapel Hill, RTP, those type of things. What does it mean for us to be gospel people? And our struggling together with that question is going to shape how we love each other. It's going to shape how we relate to each other. It shapes our opinions. It shapes our community decisions. It shapes our priorities. Um, and, And like, for example, let's say, what if we said that we came to the decision today that this was the only gospel community in Durham, North Carolina, North America, and the world. We are the only ones in the world that understand what God is really up to. If that were the case, crazy though it is, if we came to that decision, what would we do? We might arm ourselves. That's possible. <laughs> what else? What would we do? We, well, that, copyright it <laughs> and then sell it. We might get wealthy. That's a good thing. Sure. Far better than my dogfighting plan for the next 10 years of uh, Emmaus Way. Yes, I agree. Uh, what, but what would it mean? It would mean maybe we need to get in the face of everybody out there that try to throw up some communion today. I mean, Methodists, Baptists, Pentecostals, uh, we might need to just like, we might burn some stuff down, we might argue with some people, we might get angry, we might, uh, we, if we truly thought that we understood it and no one else did, it would change our posture, wouldn't it? Um, in some ways, think about that from the flip side, is in our wrestling to understand what the gospel is, it does shape how we live together. It shapes our priorities. And so I'm inviting you. We'll talk more about Mark next week. Um, I'm already in big trouble. Um, um, so, um, but, but this, I think, will be a worthy journey for us as a community. What does it mean to embrace the gospel and live it out? Mark, you are on, my friend. I went five minutes over. I'm big trouble. Yeah, the gospel according to Bruce Springsteen is a gospel that I uh, can believe in. And I say that because I think that, that Springsteen really gets, um, I think he really gets this thing of that, that grace, mercy, and, and victory um, somehow come out of the ugliest places of life oftentimes. And I think he, I think he really understands that. This song, I won't go into too much story behind it because we're short on time, but, um, but he, he wrote this for a film a few years ago. It was a really interesting film, and I think the song actually really embodies uh, bringing life, uh, bringing hope uh, from awful experiences and from sort of beauty from ashes, I guess. Thank you. 
dog making a sweet down the street. If you've ever seen a one-legged dog, then you see. Solution, I would ask you to stand up with me this week. This is a song, it's been quite a while since we've done it, but it was an e staple for many years. And I don't even remember the last time we've actually done it, but 
Uh, those of you that, that know it, I would love for you to, to join in, and the rest of you that don't, I would actually love for you to join in too. You just might have to hear it a couple times first.
followers of Jesus and calling the message that was proclaimed good news is somewhat confusing for us, uh, or likely we find it to be a bit perplexing. You see, often what we think of as news has very little good to it. I mean, if you watch the evening news, if you watch what's going on, it's very rare that you find anything good. Usually it's kind of crime, whatever, two parties arguing against one another, calling each other names about stupid things. Uh, or, you know, from time to time, they'll throw in a kind of sentimental story, you know, Jenny finds her dog, or, uh, or the good news comes during the commercials, you know, where you find out, hey, you can actually grow your hair back? I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> the good news only comes uh, uh, at times that are not part of the actual news. But I think in hearing this, it strikes me that uh, when the first people heard the message that was proclaimed, the reason why they called it good news uh, had nothing to do with sentimentalism. It had nothing to do with advertisements. It had nothing to do with the gap, the Dow making it back to 16,000. I think it had everything to do with the fact of their understanding that what was being proclaimed, what was being said, what was being said, this is the truth, is that the powers that so often organize our lives, the powers that organize the way that we live with one another, how we engage with one another, that so often lead us to oppress one another and become oppressive to us had been really broken. That that way of living, of being human, had totally been overturned. Now we live in a day and age where that type of language about power seems 
kind of crazy. But I think if you've spent some time, you know, we don't think of ourselves as living in an era where, you know, there are powers reigning. But if you've spent some time in prisons, if you've spent some time at the lower end of the debt column, if you've spent some time in a hospital, then you're very much aware that there are powers that are operating in our world that are just as vivid, just as strong, and just as forceful and, and powerful as any of the powers that we think old people used to believe in. The fact that we hear this story as good news is in fact a call to live a different form of life. As we move to the table, what we find at the table is not some magic spell, not some magic event, but what we find here is the beginning of an adventure for us, of living a different form of life. Where how we respond to those that commit crimes, how we, respond, how, how we live with our money, how we engage in healing, really does matter. The way that our lives are shared around a table, where we break bread for one another, and make known the grace of God to one another, that that actually really is something true, sometimes against the evidence to the contrary. Or much evidence to the contrary. As we come to the table tonight, you're invited into that adventure. Into that new way of human life. That is sometimes, or in a real way, is very, very powerful. Because it very much is a challenge to these huge powers. And how they organize our lives. But it's also at the same time a call to intimate fragility. Because it's a call to live peacefully. To forgive, to engage one another with compassion and love as opposed to domination, profit, and what we might get out of that other person. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us as we go to the table because we'll just move straight in to kind of uh, grab pizza as we, as we make our way to our ecclesia meeting. But when we go to the table, recognize that we break bread and share with one another a participatory event of the gospel. And that's exactly what the gospel means. This type of sharing with one another, of breaking bread with one another, and of recognizing that our lives do not have to be the hell that often we find our world so much living in. At Emmaus Way, we celebrate an open table, meaning all of you are invited to come, break bread with one another, Share it with one another, saying the body of Christ broken for you. And pour wine or juice for one another, saying the blood of Christ shed for you. We do that recognizing and speaking to each other the graciousness of God born into our lives through the work of Christ. Let me pray real quick and then we'll move to the table and then you can grab dinner. God, we thank you for a chance to join with one another to glimpse imaginatively, if just a little bit, what it might mean for the good news to be real in our world. Bless this food now to our bodies. Thank you for the gifts of your table and the gifts of your son. All these things we ask in your son's name. Amen.